All right, this is Unfucked, the podcast that untangles Christmas lights. Metaphorically speaking, of course, we are unfucking things the best we can. I'm Gunner, joined by Laugh. Laugh, how you doing? I have the gun. Good share some time. Always a pleasure. We talked about a lot uh, last week, and it was um, it was really interesting to listen back to, and I really appreciate your time. And when we were um, off mic a little bit visiting, we were talking about... Um, middle class and what that means and we thought we uh, might want to kind of delve into that in uh this podcast because that's that's a lot of people's goal is to be in the you know in, in the middle i mean a lot of people's goal i guess is to be very wealthy but middle class is good enough for me so uh that's what we're going to talk about today uh yeah you know as, as you and i were talking about this podcast and formulating the concept you know one of the things that, that i'd share is i spent some time in you know, the beginnings of trying to write a book and they've written some chapters and things and and really it, it, it covered the ground sort of what we're, we're talking about now and, and this whole unfucked concept of uh you know the, the, the theoretical book titles when I'm being screwed, I want somebody to kiss me, uh, you know, a love letter to Gen X, Gen Z, and the millennials, mm-hmm. uh, basically explaining how everything is fucked. And, and so, you know, one thing that hit me uh, is, is uh, you know, uh, getting into the 50-ish range in age and, and having kids and raising kids through the last 20-plus years and uh, those sorts of things. Um, it really, over time, has become more and more apparent that, uh, you know, I, I just don't feel very well off, even though by all rights, I probably should be. Um, and then I started looking around, trying to figure out why I didn't feel very well off, and um, start realizing that really most people in this country um, fall into that category of just not being a whole lot of difference between being allegedly middle class and being in poverty. Um, right. It's it's not a very steep slope, and it is not a very long slope. Uh, for most people, it could be something as losing a job and going without a job for 30 or 60 days. Um, some people, it could be a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, a car wreck. Yeah, a divorce. A divorce, my God, yes. An accident. Um, it really doesn't take much. And that's kind of what's uh, scary about it is, um, you know, you know the, the fact that, that that is a very uh, close place for most folks. It's not that far off. And, and I grew up in poverty and I, and, and I think you did too. Um, oh yeah, and, and uh, well, that's just part of the story. Of the book is like, uh, yeah, that was a reader. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so poor. I didn't know I was poor. And you and I talked. I was like, well, I just can't compare with what you went through. And I, uh, and I thought I was bad, and you had it even tougher. Than oh, you, so. you know, it's uh, everyone's got their own own thing. I mean, poor <laughs> is poor. Uh, but uh, I grew up. Uh, yeah, we. I, I, I've told you this story, but. Um, my mother couldn't afford a belt for me. Uh, so I, I was tying socks around my waist to keep my pants up, which I didn't think anything about. Cause you know, the, the, I thought the pants just needed to be up, but 
I learned very quickly through my peers at school who were uh, less than kind that, uh, you know, that was, that was not uh, acceptable. But, you know, now that I am quote unquote middle class, I, I make enough money for, to be considered middle class. I, I still really am in that range. I mean, one thing could take it all out. Um, and the only thing that's really changed is people now think I have money when I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's how I get it. That's how we get it. So uh, do you think there was a time where middle class really did thrive? I mean, the, the, there was, there's this vision that the, the 50s post-World War II was, um, you know, middle class was thriving and everyone really was doing well together. Is, is that accurate or is that romanticized? No, actually, I think that's pretty accurate. And, um, you know, there, there's a, a pretty clear historical dividing line um, that, that a lot of people my age uh, and even my parents' age not going to want to hear. But it was the, uh, you know, the Reagan tax cuts in the 80s that, you know, allegedly was so great for America, supposedly spurred so much growth. Uh, uh, you remember George Bush, the eldest, called it voodoo economics. Uh, it was a, what we call colloquially uh, trickle-down economics. If you cut the taxes on the rich, then out of all their largesse, they will go and create jobs, and they will their money will drift down to the rest of us. And that's horseshit is the only way to say it. Yeah, um, that didn't statistically proven now. Um, you know, what was interesting is that in the 50s, you know, our highest marginal tax rate was like 92%. And this is during the Republican administration when Dwight Eisenhower was president. Um, and, and it worked. Um, you know, you didn't have uh, CEOs that made, you know, more in a minute than their average worker made in a year. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was a, uh, um, we had a very structured, managed capitalist democracy where commerce was encouraged, commerce was expected, success was usually an effort of the group, not the individual. Um, unions were very common. Um, and we had a booming, booming middle class. Uh, and we were, you know, making more and more Americans middle class, bringing more and more people out of poverty. And it was because um, we, we had our own manufacturing base. We had our own um, retirement systems in place from these big companies. We had uh, a focus on uh, shared profit, the idea that, that the workers deserve to, to you know, participate in the profits of the company, uh, whether it be through retirement or uh, better wages or whatever that might be. And then, of course, we had uh, the baby boom generation was in there where we had folks coming home from World War II and everybody was having kids. And, you know, we had sort of modernized our economy, becoming sort of the fortress or the arsenal of democracy during World War II. So we kind of had all the advantages. And we didn't really owe anybody anything. We were uh, not in debt as a nation. Uh, we were not 
spending in a deficit. Um, and then, um, you know, that held true pretty much through the 50s and 60s and, and mostly through the 70s. Uh, we hit the uh, Arab oil embargo in the mid-70s. Uh, prices spiked. Inflation wasn't managed well. The Carter years in the late 70s where a lot of things seem to be kind of rolling off the rails in a lot of different directions. Uh, Reagan comes into office. We had uh, mortgages 16, 18, 19 percent for a while. That's it. You know, nine percent interest on your savings account. Um, and then we had the 1986 Reagan tax cuts. We were supposedly to spur the economy. And if you take a look at our history prior to that, um, you know, we had real wage growth consistently through all those years for working people. Working people could work a factory job 40 hours a week, not only make a living, but you know, own a home, own a vehicle, have health care, have retirement, provide for their kids, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then after 1986, uh, you know, those threats started to unwind. And, you know, it, it became harder and harder to be in the middle class. And then it became very difficult to stay in the middle class. Um, and during that same period of time, um, we had almost zero growth in wages as far as real growth adjusted for inflation. You know, people uh, today, or, or to a great extent, um, until last year or two, when we started having a few bumps, but really up until probably 2020, COVID, um, pretty much no wage growth since the 80s, uh, just stagnant overall for the economy. So you had a lot of people who, like the government, they became uh, you know, deficit spenders. They were, you know, uh, financing the equity out of their home, home equity loans, uh, things like that, yeah. just to make ends meet. Um, it becomes, it just over that historical window, you can see the change. So long, long answer to a short question. Yes, we had a definitive time where the middle class boomed in this country. And it was a period of time where government was working for the most people. Um, and we had uh, a, a tax policy that was designed to um, rein in massive fortunes so those fortunes could not then take an outsized role in society and, and gain outsized power. Um, you know, yeah, and you know, you look at people like uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, and I'm actually a big admirer of Elon Musk, um, but um, that's an incredible amount of wealth for one person. It's just, it's, it's a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and and Walmart's another great example that, that those executives make so much money and their, their clerks are paid nothing. I don't care what that company says. Their clerks are paid nothing. And it's uh, the biggest employer in this country. And they're also not treated well. Um, and I don't know if they get health insurance or not. So I, I don't know. If I, don't, I don't think so unless there's a certain level of management before you can actually get those types of benefits. So uh, just the normal people checking you out at, at Walmart uh, are usually not even classified as full-time workers. Um, yeah. They're not paid a living wage. 
somewhere in the order of 40% of Walmart's employees receive some form of public assistance. Yeah. So, um, How yeah. And, um, so when I was in radio, um, the most I ever made, and I'll just be transparent cause I'm not employed there anymore and I don't care. I, all, all my contracts have run out. Uh, I made $37,000 a year and this wasn't that long ago. This was maybe five years ago. Um, and, and that was barely, barely livable for one person. God forbid I had a family. God forbid. Um, I, yeah. I owned a car. I had a apartment. I think it cost $700 a month at the time. Um, but that was it. I mean, all I could do was go work the 50 hours and maintain. There was no saving. There was no anything else. When I went, when I left radio, um, and I started like doing my own business here, uh, podcasting and just recording at home. And then thankfully I met you and we started this project. But it, what I, what I went to was going back to bartending. And the reason I bring that up is restaurants tend to have this way of sharing the wealth that other, um, 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 businesses don't like everyone in a restaurant seems to come up together. Everyone makes money. If you're good, you make money. Um, the, the, and I just want wonder what, what is so different about a restaurant dynamic as compared to a corporate dynamic and why they can't <laughs> copy that same principle. Um, well, um, if you read the literature, what you see is that the modern American CEO uh, is most likely to have a personality profile that tracks with a sociopath. Mm. Complete disregard. And for those of you who don't know what a sociopath is, it's worth Googling. Mm. Um, that's not a very good person. Let's just put it that way. If you do Google um, it, you'll learn that you know some and it'll scare you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, um, you know, we went from um, a stewardship mentality where, um, you know, the old saying, rising tide lifts all ships. Um, that used to kind of be the shared mentality sort of post-World War II. And then, uh, you know, we started as a citizen in the 80s with Reagan tax cuts. Um, it became more about um, what's in it for me. Hmm. And that is when executive pay began to balloon. And now it's, it's, uh, it's outrageous. I mean, a CEO of a small successful company is very likely to make 20 to 30 times uh, it's, it's you know, average employee wage but if you're talking about a major you know publicly traded company it's it's hundreds or thousands of times uh, the average worker um, and and it's uh and that's just wages and compensation that doesn't it's not all the other perks that go along with it. A lot of those companies are providing homes or multiple homes, providing access to, you know, private air travel, personal jets, you know, vehicles, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of layers to it. Um, 
And, you know, most folks are obsessed solely with the, the value of their stock to the point that it's very common that stock, you know, there's a lot of cheating goes on, a lot of misdisclosures, a lot of suppression of what's actually happening. Um, all designed to, to get the stock price a bump so that their you know, nominal wealth is, is driven higher because of their equity stake. Um, and I'm sure they're paying dividends. And well, you know, some of them for sure. Uh, you know, most most publicly traded companies have a you know tiers. So they have a preferred stock and then common stock is traded. Um, you know, common stock is what gets shuffled around Wall Street. Preferred stock is a lot of um, purposes kind of a controlling or at least limited to control persons uh, or super valuable investors. Well, but it's uh, it's 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 a different scenario than what, uh, what we saw in the fifties and sixties, and no doubt. So, uh, to your points, uh, a climate has been created to where this sort of um, imbalance um, can take place, and the trickle down just doesn't work. You can't give a bunch of people a lot of money, which I thought we learned with Rockefeller back in the day, right? When they um, took apart uh, Standard Oil. Wasn't that Rockefeller? Yeah, uh, we, we, we went through what was called the, the first Gilded Age, which was uh, in the 1920s, interestingly enough. And most people, historians say they, they feel like America's in what they're referring to the second Gilded Age, where for some reason, the wealthy have convinced the rest of us that, that it's good that they have 99% of the wealth in the country and 99% of us have nothing, um, and that they pay little to no tax whatsoever um, on anything that they do. Um, you know, it's a very interesting coordinated uh, campaign to convince us that we need to let them continue to make millions or even billions of dollars a year and pay little to no tax. I mean, the kind, the kind of uh, That's great. not just the individuals either. That's the it's corporate America as well. You know, our, our government actually, uh, one of the wildest examples I saw of that with my own eyes was back during the initial housing foreclosure crisis in 08 09, where uh, GE, G fucking E, hmm. had gotten a special provision written into the tax code that allowed them to do some kind of write-offs and credits. And so in a year when they had like $3.4 billion in revenue or some shit like that, uh, they got a couple hundred million dollar tax refund. Didn't their stock crash at that time too? Um, yeah, they had you know they had G Capital, which was uh, deep into finance on a number of levels, and um, they they were touched by the uh, crash. Uh, you know, they were the liquidity crisis that hit the capital markets uh, around the time the investment houses started coming to grip from the fact that they were holding on dog shit worthless paper. <laughs> so yeah, GE Capital needed help um, just making payroll uh, because they couldn't access capital. 
So part of the reason the Treasury, when it came open during that time frame, was just to make sure that people could access, corporations in particular could access the normal short-term borrowing they were accustomed to prior to the liquidity crisis. Doesn't GE own uh, NBC and several of those properties? Um, Am I right about that? I think GE is a multifaceted company with a number of divisions that do a lot of different things. And I I don't know all their uh, property holdings, but I think it's uh, it's at least one of those buildings in downtown New York pretty tall that they own, uh, maybe more. I, I just say I make that point to say it's interesting how some of these big companies invest in the way that we uh, consume media, whether it's I mean, in this day and age, well, more so than 08. It's a lot more online. Of course, Facebook, Twitter and all that are are big. Um, but I, 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 I think they invest <laughs> to control the masses and what they think. Uh, and um, I think I think that's to keep us poor. I think that's to keep us serfs, um, to use uh, middle-aged terminology, um, if that makes sense. No, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, I think what you end up with is a, a situation where uh, <coughs> you know, I, I feel like part of the reason that we have the political problem that we have. <laughs> is that 90% of us are scrambling to try to survive the day or the week or the month. You know, we, we don't have any time to actually pause and consider, you know, what's going on around us. We're too busy. We're in a form of survival mode. Like there's just too many things that have to be done. You know, too many dollars have to be run down. You know, too many bills have got to be paid, too many wolves to beat away from the door yeah. to actually stop and take a holistic view of why this is the way it is. It is just like the analogy of, uh, you know, how do you get a frog to stay in the water till you boil? You just slowly raise the temperature. That's it. It's the same principle over the last 50 years. 40 years, you know, the rich have slowly raised the temperature to see what the rest of us are willing to stand and tolerate. Yeah. And they're pretty close to reaching the max temperature. They it's are. It's just a question of when people want to wake up and understand what's happening. Well, laugh, we, uh, we, saw, we saw it last summer when uh, people took to the streets and started rioting. I mean, yes, I mean, there was racial in, injustice, yes, and that's part of it. But there's a lot. It's way deeper than that. Um, it's, uh, it's, well, it's the purpose of this show. Everybody knows that everything is fucked. Everything's Very yes. few people understand why it's fucked. It is, but we're not supposed to live this way. We're not all supposed to be like uh, worrying whether our mother can keep, I mean, it's something I do, whether my mother can keep her electricity on or like you know, all these really major concerns where you never get a time to um, live any sort of life. And at the same time, in today's society, you have to live with kind of this Instagram, TikTok, um, you know, fantasy uh, that's, oh, this is how everyone's living. No one's living that way. No one's doing that. Everyone's at home stressed and fighting. 
Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it breaks up relationships, money, stress, and, and, um, it's just a weird, uh, dichotomy. Is that a, a word? Yeah. Could yeah. That's a, it's, it's a, yeah. It's, I think that's a perfect word for that scenario. It is a weird dichotomy. Uh, you know, you've got people who are, uh, you know, making millions by snapping pictures of themselves and, uh, skimpy bikinis and making sex tapes uh, and people that are, you know, trying to educate our kids uh, mm-hmm. are resorting to food stamps to make ends meet, uh, feed their families. You know, um, edu- we, have, we have a very warped sense of value um, in, 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 that, uh, in, in, in that scenario, right? You know, we talk about the middle class and then, you know, that's a, a good segue into to teachers because, I mean, certainly we should all agree that teachers should be in the middle class, right? They're, they're, they're educated. They went to college. They probably have debt. Um, they're providing a valuable service to the community. And I know several teachers and they're, they're not middle class, you know, they're, they're, I mean, they're fine. They're eating, I guess, but, um, you know. See, that's, that's the whole problem with the scenario. Just what you just said. They're fine, I guess. <laughs> we don't know that they're fine. We don't. We don't know, yeah. And, and it's sad that we don't, and it's sad that we don't value them enough. Uh, and quite frankly, in our current environment, they ought to be getting combat pay because, honestly, as we said on other shows, and it's very well noted. Uh, any day they could be in the middle of a war zone and they have no, you know, except they're, they don't even have a medic stripe on them. They have nothing. They, you know, no. you can imagine being thrown out in a war zone with no body armor, no means of defense, uh, you know, no communications, no assistance. Uh, hey, good luck with your war. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm going to uh, look up. Uh, so, yeah, they, 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 uh, you know, teachers, uh, teachers, teachers should definitely be earning those last wages. Um, should not be wondering whether or not they can uh, feed their own kids. Uh, it's very, very frustrating. Looking up the average teacher and, salary right now, just to yeah, and it's uh, it, it's uh, it's a tough scenario because uh, it, it's not just limited to you know. It, 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 Frankly, what's happened is, is if you earn a paycheck, you're completely fucked yeah. because you're paying all your normal payroll taxes and deductions and everything else, which for most people takes about half of what they're, you know, supposed to be paid. Um, but then after that, you know, in most states, you're going to buy groceries and you're paying grocery taxes. You're paying fuel taxes for the gas. Um, you're paying you know, your property taxes, your personal property taxes, you know, your uh, car tags and, yeah. and all these things that are just some, some form of tax. Uh, you know, recently back in Alabama found out that uh, after the traffic cameras got ruled unconstitutional. They've come back because uh, they said you couldn't make it a crime. They've come back with something that they call a uh, traffic safety uh, red light safety program. What they do 
exact same thing that was previously ruled unconstitutional because it was a criminal charge and they made it a, a civil fine. And now it's allegedly um, not unconstitutional anymore in Alabama to do the exact same thing to you that they uh, had ruled unconstitutional when they called it a uh, traffic ticket. So now it's a civil fine and they can extract $200 for you if you happen to go through a yellow light at one of the intersections with a camera on it, and that's perfectly constitutional. Um, that's just another way that you pay Tax. taxes as a working person. So if for every dollar you don't you want to pay taxes, don't earn a paycheck. You live off of dividends and stocks and passive income. What I try to do is do a uh, 1099, so I write off everything. Uh, because a W-2 paycheck, you'll go broke. You will, um, if that's all you have. Uh, yeah, you're completely screwed because, you, like I said, you start off by uh, what, whatever you whatever you say, uh, you, your salary is, is locked that right in half. Yeah, so the average nationwide uh, salary for a teacher is $61,730. So just over $30,000 is, I guess, your take home, um, which is, uh, you, you can't live on that. You can't. $2,500 a month. Yeah. So do the math there. And you're a teacher and you're buying your supplies. And that's probably buying some of your kids' supplies. Yeah, you're doing that. That's more than forty hours a week on salary. I would guarantee. Uh, oh yeah, there's no, there's not a teacher in America that works forty hours a week. Yeah, shit. That's that. that if they work forty hours a week, they had sick days or something. Because uh, I've got several in the family, and know plenty more. Um, forty hours a week is a good start for most teachers. It's not nearly what they put in a week. So. so, I mean, that's, that's just an example. The, 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 um, the people we, um, are, are civil servants, which I'm going to throw teachers into that. I don't know if everyone does, but I will. Um, we need to get them to middle class. Like that should be a barometer, you know? Um, yeah, there's, there's, a. There's, there's a saying I can't recall it exactly, but it's, it's something about the humanity of your, uh, if you understand the humanity of your civilization, just look how it treats its poorest. Um, and we're not getting a very good grade on that right now. Um, and you know, there's a there's an underlying current that that so uh, I think quite frankly that the ninety percent really probably 95% of the population needs to get. Um, technology is a game changer. And we're already into the age of artificial intelligence. We're already in the age of robotics. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what you're going to get to and what we're sort of already at, and I think it's something that animates the anxieties and frustrations spill over into the political sphere is there's so much economic pressure on most people. They're so anxious to figure out why. And 
you know, they don't understand because they, they can't see the whole picture. They either don't have the, the, the knowledge of sort of the entire picture. They don't have time to understand the entire picture. But as we're talking about, you've got this group of people who control the government. We'll call them America's oligarchs. We got more than Russia, but there's still a very small percentage of our population. Um, and they're in the self-preservation business. Their job is to preserve their wealth, preserve their privilege, preserve their status, and fuck the rest of us. And they do that by buying elections, buying politicians, buying lobbyists to pass laws at the state and federal level to get them what they want, and doing everything in their fucking power to never pay a dime in taxes. And, uh, you know, most of those people, you know, if you look for income, they don't show a lot of income to be taxed because they they have all this vast wealth through stocks or whatever, and they go and they borrow against that. Right. And they use that money to live off the value of their assets and they're not necessarily showing income per se. Um for their hedge fund manager, they have what's called the carried interest exception. They can make a billion dollars just because they keep it in their fund. They don't have to pay taxes on it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are just two obvious examples. But what happens when the technology is to a point where you don't need a world full of workers anymore? Where you have androids or bots that can do most uh, basic labor tasks. What happens to the semi-line worker? What happens to the clerk at the grocery store? What happens to uh, the truck driver when we have self-driving trucks? Um, the only thing I know for sure is if you let enough people get hungry enough, they're going to burn the world down. Um, and and see, so this is the part that I think a lot of people miss. You know, you really can't imagine a scenario where American soldiers would fire on American civilians who were protesting over hunger. Now, there's like, Kent. Kent was the first example, right? Um, and, and let's just let's just assume. That remains true. In fact, let's even assume that the, the U.S. military, the average person, would support the cause of the people. Um, what happens when the military is using artificial intelligence and drones and weapon systems that can be controlled or overridden? such that the quote-unquote foot soldier can have their own weapon system turned on them. Mm-hmm. See, the part that scares me is there's a, there's a school of thought that, you know, there's too many people in the world anyway, and that's part of the strain on the planet, um, part of the strain on resources, part of the strain on global warming. What happens when you have autonomous weapon systems that can be owned and built by billionaires and controlled by them? 
They don't need police. They don't need soldiers. They don't need government. We get into uh, Terminator territory um, at that point. And, and we're really not that far away from that. You know, it's Skynet. Um, you know, I'm of the opinion that there's not too many people in the world. I think the world can can take a lot more, frankly. I think w- there's some behaviors. Uh, I think getting away from fossil fuels would... But the, as far as space and resources, we have plenty. We really do. We're just not using them well. That's my opinion. Um, well, and, you know, you mentioned Skynet and Terminator. Um, if you look at... Uh, there was an article in the last 30 days then since the Ukraine conflict started where, you know, Elon Musk shot up his Skylink internet system over yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and the Russians try to jam it. Uh, and so, uh, the, uh, the guy who's in charge of like, uh, um, the Pentagon's program. I mean, he literally was like in the corner whacking off to how quickly Elon Musk's system pulled off the Russian hacking attempt, jamming attempt. Um, and, and so there's an article, it's a business insider that I, I looked at that quickly. It's working, it's for April 22nd, closest. Uh, 40 days ago, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, this Pentagon official was director of the electronic warfare for the Office of the Secretary of Defense told this conference that Starlink countered the attack faster than the U.S. military would have been able to. Yeah, I believe that. And so what he said was... Um, Because there's a line in hair that, that I saw that uh, the official said the day after reports for a Russian jamming attack emerged, Starlink had slung a line of code and fixed it. And suddenly the attack was not effective anymore. Called the counter manager employed by Starlink fantastic and added that how they did that was eye catching to me or eye watering to me. Um, he said the U.S. had a significant timeline to make those types of corrections. And there's a really interesting case study. Look at the agility that Starlink had in addressing that problem. Um, and then there was another Brigadier General quoted that said that uh, the U.S. needed to build new systems for that type of thing. It had to be more, uh, it had to be, have more resilience and more speed. Um, but basically, what they came down to was that Starlink uh, was using some type of AI to decide what to do, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, again, artificial intelligence. And so basically, what the guy was saying was, you know, we want to adapt that kind of artificial intelligence into these Pentagon systems. You know, you, you mentioned the Skynet, but 
I mean, do you remember the precipitating factor for all that happening in the movie was yeah. that there was a viral attack, a virus attacking the military systems, and they said, you know, cut on Skynet, it's artificial intelligence, will quash this thing like a bug in 30 seconds. What they didn't understand is they said Skynet was creating virus to force them to turn it on so that it could take over. <laughs> right, because Skynet decided that humans were a nuisance and we didn't really need them. Um, and so really, when you, you know, you and I joke about this, we talk about, well, we really are at that age where the technology is there. Um, and I, I mean, and, it, and it's fucking scary to see how close we really are to that type of independent artificial intelligence that Oh, oh yeah, in, in in my mind though, like um, so, and and to bring it back to even building the middle class is if we as a country um, encourage. There's a lot of young kids right now, like that are um, the, the ones that aren't on TikTok showing themselves naked. Um, it, there's a lot of kids who are really smart, who can learn code, who have grown up in this area, era rather, um, that uh, can be brought up to build competing systems, which I think would be ideal if we have uh, competing powerful systems, then not one system can take over. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, you know. Well, what you're suggesting is an effect countermeasure to at some future government system that would be trying to more or less take over. Well, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, there's inertia to it already. So, you know, we can't go back and undo, uh, you know, and my mind is slightly blown thinking of Starnet as, um, um, uh, Starlink as uh, Skynet. right. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, that shows you how blown my mind is, but there are a lot of similarities and I'm, you know, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. Um, but, um, uh, if we start encouraging, um, uh, people to, to deal in this world, um, of technology, there could be well-paying jobs. There could be a lot of innovation and there could be competing systems that could provide a check and balance, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think that there's definitely, um, not to be the John Connor of this generation, but, you know, if I were 15 and knew what I know at 50, I would be like the biggest tech nerd on the planet um, looking for the ways to countermand and counteract autonomous artificial intelligence systems um, because, you know, we are... Uh, when those systems come online and you do not need human operators um, and you don't have human overrides, you have a, a Darth Vader type person in charge of this thing. When they decide they want to wage war or genocide, there's going to have to be effective countermeasures uh, to those things that, that are there. Yeah. Uh, that are prepared to come online and, and, and deal with that, that are not subject to uh, being 
hacked overridden and taken over by these artificial intelligence systems and and that's you know i guess if you take me to my deepest darkest place the thing i fear the most about what's going on right now is i feel like the, the whole republican democrat uh, fight is a a uh, clever distraction from the reality that a very small group of people have outsized control in this country in insane wealth. And they are pushing for a point where most of us are unnecessary. Hmm. And they're doing it right in front of our eyes, but we're too busy trying to survive to realize what's happening. That's the part that kind of scares the shit out of me. And that's the part that kind of makes me want to ring the bell and say, you know, we all need to wake the fuck up and figure out what's really worth fighting about, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, that's why things need to get unfucked. Because listen, we, we really are at a point, and it's always been thrown around, oh, the country's going to end, the country's going to end. The country might end. It really might. Or it might get bigger and just do without us. Amer- America m- might not need us, right? So, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we might become some perverse version of the Hunger Games. Who the fuck knows? You know, there's a the science fiction often um, precedes, you know, science fact. Um, well, on this happy podcast here today, but he, the, the <laughs> The point is that, you know, as long as we're all awake and talking about it and trying to do something about it and connecting with our communities and learning skills and saying that point out when things are fucked up, point out that it's fucked up, that um, kids can't get food or elderly can't get food or powers being turned off or the middle class is dying. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue. It's just the reality. You know, everyone Everyone has the right to just live out their 80 to 100 years in relative peace with some loved ones. That's the goal. Let's, let's strive for that. That's right. And, and I mean, I think that, uh, you know, if, if um, it, it really wouldn't take much. Um, it really, uh, we just have to find a group of people who want to lead on the basis of doing what's best for the country and most of the people. And it's fair for everyone who doesn't fall into the most. And honestly, uh, a lot of our big questions are not that big in the grand scheme of things. Uh, they're not that hard to solve, but because they are wedge issues, no one wants to solve them. Because it allows the political class to keep herding us into camps and keep us bickering and fighting while they continue to fuck us every which way but lose on the things that really matter. Yeah. Tribalism. <clears throat> a divide and conquer, baby. Yeah. That's it. Well, this has been an uplifting podcast <laughs> uh, full, <laughs> full of so many wonderful things, but things that need to be talked about hey if we're gonna uh, unfuck things we have to look to look at uh how fucked they are before we do so correct so um well laugh it is always a pleasure i i enjoy our chats um and uh of course we'll be back 
next Wednesday morning, which is when these things will drop. Um, find us on social media, unfucked.com. That's U-N-F-U-K-T.com. Uh, did I get that right? That's it. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to try and get us some merchandise too before too long. But anyway, that's down the line. I don't want to be, you know, too ahead of myself. Uh, That'll be good stuff. That's for sure. I'll wear it everywhere. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. Look at a tie made out of it. Uh, (laughs) Bumper stickers, ties, and uh, whatever, um, whatever uh, helps the cause. But um, for uh, laugh, for me, I'm Gunner. Remember to stay or to try to stay unfucked unfucked.com and wherever you get your podcast.